It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you're dead. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Thursday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com as well as the mobile app. He's Jonathan Casillas. I'm Lance Meadow with you for the next 60 minutes. Some news in terms of practice today. The Giants actually canceled their practice today, unfortunately, due to the air quality, which obviously is the wise move. And it looks as if the Giants probably are not going to be practicing tomorrow either. Brian Dable seemed to indicate they want to wait till hopefully this clears out of the New York, New Jersey metropolitan area. And then they'll obviously have mandatory mini camp next week. But the three coordinators did speak to the media before they canceled practice. So we'll give you some of our takeaways from that standpoint and an opportunity for you to weigh in as well at 201-939-4513. You can also hit us up on Twitter, hashtag Giants Chat. And a reminder, you can find the archive of this show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcast. So if you have not been able to locate this podcast, that's on you for not looking hard enough. <laughs> I'm glad we got some clarity. And as far as the coordinators are concerned, I think there's a few different things that we could delve into. I'm curious, though, Jonathan, your perspective on one thing that Wink Marnendale brought up, and that's where I want to start, because he was asked about a favorite topic of the fan base, the media, the green dot. I mean, where would we be as a society if we didn't overanalyze who has the green dot on their helmet and how that is going to impact the defense? And he indicated, hey, there's about five guys they're testing out. And you can, I think, shed a lot of light on this, obviously, since you played on the defensive side of the ball. He seemed to indicate the media narrative is the player that wears the green dot is the leader on the defensive side of the ball. Wink argues it's not necessarily the case. It's more of the guy that can best communicate yes. with the rest of the unit, and that doesn't mean that just because you're not wearing the green dot, you can't be a leader <laughs> within the locker room and outside of the locker room. So I'm curious your perspective because everybody's saying, well, wait a minute. I thought McKinney's coming back. He's going to be the guy. Wink says they'll see. At least they're testing the waters out at this stage of the offseason. Yeah, so uh, you guys that don't know what the green dot signifies, it's – the one guy on the field, offense or defense, that's getting the offensive defensive call from the coordinator. And that that green dot is on the top of the helmet, and that signifies that they have uh, uh, electri- electrical equipment yes. in their helmet to receive, you know. Uh, Can you break down the wiring in the no, helmet no, first? No, 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 no. You can't no, take it that no. far? Okay. I'm just right. telling them what the green dot means. I was hoping you delved into that, but we'll survive. And, um, yes. you know, and that's usually, like you said, that's the guy that's receiving the information. We're going to go defense. That's receiving the defensive call from the defensive coordinator, and then they're communicating the call to the rest of the defense, right? Traditionally, it's the Mike linebacker, right? It's the middle sure. linebacker. I was, uh, I've was i worn a green dot several times in my career, and I never really liked it. Really? You <laughs> no. didn't like it? Oh, no, 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 no. See, I would have thought you would like to set the stage. And- no, no. So for me, um, you know, not to say I can't, because that's, that's like you're the captain of the defense, right? Sure. But yeah. that doesn't mean you run everything. But that means you're getting that communication in, and you're the first line of communication to the defense from the defensive coordinator. Yeah. You know, and, and I did it a couple times in New England, and I did it when I was here in New York. My first year in New York, when we really didn't have that steady middle linebacker that on nickel and dime packages, and I was the guy that ended up 
for that second half of the season playing that nickel or dime middle linebacker. For me, it wasn't a natural position for me. Uh, and, and that's because of concepts of route concepts. I'm usually playing on a weak side or strong side. So I'm usually seeing like Makes sense. two to one or three to two. The, this one was three to two or two to three. Like it was always in the middle of the field. And for me, I wasn't comfortable with that. Not just the, the aspect of having the green dot and getting the communication out, sure. but it's just something that I wasn't custom with. And I was a captain my second and third year for the New York Giants, so I was definitely one of, if not the leader of the defense, but I didn't call the defense my last two years in New York. And I was okay with that. I'd rather, <laughs> I'd rather communicate everything else, you know, yep. down and distance, personnel, motion here, communicate to the defensive front. And, and like you were saying, without the green dot, that doesn't mean you're not a leader. That doesn't mean you're not a communicator. The great, the great thing about all, def, all great defense, uh, defensive teams are the level, the level of communication throughout all 11 guys, even from the coordinator. So you got one guy communicating the call, but everybody else should be talking. The defensive back should be talking about yep. down and distance. They should be looking at you know the, re the receivers, splits, and then also uh, the the linebackers. They, they need to be communicating to that defensive line about their fronts, about gaps, big gaps, rundowns, you know, first and second down, um, you know, high hats if the if the uh, if they look low, like the linemen are looking low, like they're leaning forward. Like there's a lot of communication that happens. Well, they're picking up on things that, that other call. players may not. So yeah. for me, I loved being that guy, the guy that communicated everything else. I'm not waiting for the defensive coordinator. I'm sitting there looking at the offense and I'm looking, I'm like, okay, backs wide. You know, it's third and one. This might be a run play. Or watch the draw, alert the draw, second and long. You know, you know what I mean? Yep. That was my job, and I I really grasped that. And and I I think I I flourished in that role and not having a green dot. I just the green dot for me was like an experiment. And I was like, Spags, I don't want to do that no more. <laughs> you know, but yeah. <clears throat> it's very crucial to have that green dot guy. Be a great communicator, be a great leader, be a guy who is very uh, intelligent about not just the defense, but offensive schemes, offensive uh, situations, defensive situations, down and distance. Like this guy has to be a very knowledgeable guy, a great communicator. And Xavier McKinney did a great job of that. And I think, you know, maybe it's just me. He was the guy to do it because they didn't really have a linebacker that they knew was going to be on the field yep. every play like Xavier McKinney. And that's key, Jonathan. I didn't mean to cut you off. Winky even emphasized this. You're never going to give the green dot to a player that you're going to take off the field can't on do third it. down. You can't do can't. it. Yeah. That's the most crucial down, yep. you know, when you talk about first, second, and third down. You know, so you got to have that guy on the field at all times. So with a carricade coming in here, I think that gives, you know, the defense a chance to have in that traditional middle linebacker with the green dot on his helmet. We'll see. Because I don't see a fault, uh, you know, anything wrong with Xavier McKinney having the green dot. is just something different, you know. But safeties are always communicators. Safeties have to communicate to the corners. They have to communicate to the linebackers because they're in charge of coverages, right? Yep. You can't have a corner doing it because they're only on one side of the field. The safety, they can see every single person. Everything know? else is in front of them. Right. Yeah. All 21 other guys on the field. So they're seeing the offense. They're seeing the defense. They're seeing motions and all that stuff. So I don't see it as being a bad thing at all. But, you know, it, it is a far way back, you know, sometimes, especially because yeah. Xavier's playing, you know, middle free, which is like that's the deepest the safety's going to line He's up. He's like an ocean away. He's a little bit oh. away from that defensive tackle, right? <laughs> yes, for the line and the scoring. linebackers, 
being four or five yards behind the line and being 10 yards at max, 15 yards max away from the safeties, he can turn around and do it. You know, so there's it has, I think, its advantages for middle linebackers. But then also with the safety having the middle dot, which is Xavier McKinney being knowledgeable about, about the defense, about offenses, being that he is a great communicator. He never he never takes his eyes off the offense because he's always looking forward. Middle linebacker communicating to the safety. Sometimes you might have to turn around. Of course, yeah. You know, so like little and stuff like that. You may like miss that. something, a change right. at the line uh, of scrimmage yeah, or something a, like that. Uh, yeah, something yeah. a slight movement. Subtle. Yeah, right. yeah, one hundred percent. So I do see advantages of a safety having the green dot, and but then of course the linebacker. I feel like traditionally that was the guy that had a green dot for most defenses. Now, with that being said, though, I do like the logic of you're in the off season. You never know if somebody's going to get hurt, right? McKinney went down last season. Yep. So Wink all of a sudden went into the year thinking, all right, McKinney's going to be the green dot helmet guy the entire year. All of a sudden he gets hurt. So this is the time of the year you prepare accordingly, Jonathan, right, for other guys to get comfortable. Because I think what's also important to note is you could have multiple players have the helmet, but only one guy at a time on the field yep. can actually communicate with the coordinator. So you can't have like three guys with the helmet. It can only be one at a time, but somebody else could have the helmet prepared in case somebody in the midst of a game gets hurt. So I like the logic of, all right, you got five guys. Let's test the waters. Let's see if Bobby Okereke can handle that. And when Bobby spoke to the media, I think it was about a few weeks ago, he indicated he has experience with Indianapolis. He's wore the green helmet. You know, Julian Love was a guy that you can bring in last season. Unfortunately, he's not in the equation. So, you know, do you go to a guy like Dane Belton? Do you say, all right, hey, year two, let's see what he can bite off? Because I think those are the players that come to mind that are versatile enough that you figure are going to be on the field just about every single down this season. Yeah, and that's I think that the main thing is who's going to be playing 99% of the defensive 100%. snaps, right? Who's going to be yep. on the field? And there's several guys that fit that qualification from the safety and linebacker room. Akarike, Dane Belton, if he's a starter, he's definitely a guy that's wearing that green dot right now at practice, right? At practice, you can have as many guys as possible. Yeah, there's no limitation. Mistaken. I was just referring at to practice. games. Yeah. You know, but the, the funny thing is, I remember the first time, I think I was in New England, when they bought the green dot helmet out for me, they took uh, Hightower and Jamie out. And then it was like, all right, JC's going to get the green dot. I'm like, I don't have anything in my helmet. Yeah. They're like, oh, no. So I go to the sideline to the equipment guys. And it's like, it was like uh, like they're holding like, uh, like, I don't know, special like military, you know what I'm saying, equipment. <laughs> you know, it's like they had security guards around oh, it. Oh, boy. And they wow. open it up and it's like, and it's they a box. It you know what I'm oh, saying? They pull out the it's like out of a movie. Oh. The was there a dot. coronation? Did they play music and lay out the red carpet for you? They had to you? go on one yeah. knee. They had to touch each shoulder. <laughs> the they had sword to, came out. They had to out. put it over my yeah, head. I like it. Fantastic, <laughs> they, yeah. They keep all the green dot helmets in, in a, a special place. In a, in a yeah. special case on the side. And so if you are a guy that's eligible or you're a guy that's been working with the green dot, they have another helmet exactly like the one you never wore it before. <laughs> exactly yep. like the one you're wearing in the box on the side. And then if you get thrown in the game, you have to switch helmets, right? Unless you're going to just do all hand signs sure. and verbal yeah. communication. But trust me, if you don't want to be doing that. You don't want to be doing the hand <laughs> signals and you're staring over there at the sideline. Like, I have no idea the, the what The offense is getting lined up and you're like, oh, come on, coach, get the, get the sign in. You know, that was been, that's why the green dot has been so successful because you can look at the, def the offense yeah, that's coming and out hear, and you're hearing right. the defense. And you can just be like, all right, coach, I got you, I got you, I got you. Yep. You know, so – 
Uh, the green dot, I think, is uh, it, it's been a game changer for communication in the NFL. You know, and uh, beautiful thing, technology. Having a safety do it is a little different, but I see a lot of advantages of it. But Xavier McKinney, who's a guy who's a tremendous ball player, a leader on his team, getting that green, getting that call in from the defensive coordinator and getting it out to the defense because he's never going to take his eyes off the offense. I'm told that the reason why they have all of those helmets guarded is it breaks the budget if you lose a few of those. I so bet. you got to be cautious, Jonathan. I'm just giving you, you know. I mean, they were finding the guys when I played yeah. 10K if they lost their playbook. So I'm thinking that's what, 50K well, probably? There you go. You know, and you would think you could go to the printer and get a new playbook, <laughs> right? Okay. You know, something tells me the copy machine will function. Mm -hmm. That won't break open the piggy bank, the ink 50K. cartridge. Yeah. Oh. You have to all of a sudden go to the manufacturer yeah, and, man. you know, guys and gals are twisting wires inside the helmet. <laughs> okay? You know, what you put those individuals through, I don't think you truly understand why, you know, all of a sudden they have to uh, make sure that they're on guard with respect to that. No, but I do appreciate you breaking down the ins and outs, and I'm sure our viewers and listeners feel the same way because I just found it interesting when Wink was talking today, they were sort of pressing him, and he was like, listen, it's no big deal. Relax. Yeah. Calm down. Well, we can he, have six guys right I'm, now I'm about to say, working did he on have it. a number? Was it six guys? He said, no, he said five, right five guys, guys they have working with the green dot helmet. So who you think? We got it. Of course, Xavier McKinney. You you thinking Dane Belton, that's two. I'm thinking Dane and Bobby Okereke. Bobby Okereke, that's two. Correct. And Okereke admitted two. That's okay. a definite three. Who's the other guys? Is there another, maybe two more linebackers? Maybe Davis and... I'm and, bringing up the roster and Beavers, here. Beavers, possibly? Beavers, I think, is a good one. I'll throw out another interesting player. I was going to get to this. When Wink was asked about the progression of the linebackers, he threw out, without being asked, which I found interesting, threw out Micah McFadden's name. Okay. Had quality snaps last year. Correct. Could they plays? be expanding his role? Uh, Micah, to me, I'd put him in the wild card category yep, yep. for the green dot helmet. I'm just looking over but then my also, depth chart here. Also, when you look at linebackers, Okereke is the guy. There's no other guy that's going to get the green dot besides him. But if Okereke goes down or if he's not playing on certain packages, you have to have a guy in there. Like, like if Bobby Okereke, let's say he plays 80% of the snaps a, a game, right? Yeah, I don't nice know number. if they're gonna yeah. they're gonna have another guy with the green dot. I think they might signal in because of the oh, change. Really? Of, okay, because if you think about it, like let's say because Bobby Okereke is not a big guy, I expect him to play on passing situations a hundred percent of the time, yep. right? But then it might be a, a, a chance during the season, maybe halfway through the season, where you realize Beavers and Davis are better first and second down backers or run down third and one fourth and one yeah. you know big offensive personnel where they bring in tight ends and extra linemen you know he's not a bigger guy he may be suited to be a backup in that regard and you have another linebacker in playing in that down i don't think they're going to switch that dot out you know what i mean i think they're going to signal in sure for the, the play that he's not that on the field play. that makes sense you know what i mean but if yeah. he goes down now you have well, to have you got to go to someone else so who's yep. the plan b because I think as of right now, we let's say Xavier McKinney and Akarike is playing A and playing A, B, right? A1 and A2. How about 1A that? and 1B. 1B, sure. right. Yes, we, we got there. Right. It was the convoluted <laughs> road we took, but we got there. Right, yes. and then, so who is the alternate guy okay, so, at each position? So my response is, I'm going to go still with McFadden, yep. is the backup to Okarike, and then I would go with Dane Belton being the backup to McKinney. Okay. Another guy I want to throw out, and I'm curious your perspective, what about Bobby McCain? Okay. But the problem with McCain is McCain I could see being a slot corner slash safety. So does that worry you? Because you were talking about if you're going to give somebody the green dot, he needs to see the whole field. If you have plays where McCain goes into the slot, now all of a sudden he's close to the line of scrimmage, 
that perhaps eats into his ability to set the defense. I think it depends what position he's actually playing. You know, okay. like if, if one of the safeties goes down and, and now McCain is the starting safety, I think that keeps him valid. But if he's the basically the third corner, which is the nickel or fourth corner, sure. a guy that's moving around a lot, I don't think you could give it to him. So I think that's what we're talking about. I mean, yep. I don't think they're going to the degree where they're worried about the third guy. I would hope that at some point, no, one of I those mean, guys you, but you have to you gotta worry about accordingly. because if, yeah. if 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 McKinney and a character go down, that's the third guy now. You Correct. Well, and that's where guy. to me, Dane Belton yes. and McFadden come McFadden, into play, yep. and then McCain could be your third option. I mean, we just named five guys right there. Yeah, yep. Yeah, so yeah. I would think. That. Out of the five, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I would think so. And and for linebackers, you got a Karake is definitely number one. You're thinking McFadden, McFadden. because McFadden backs up a Karake. Correct. And, and then and, Beavers and, and, could be. See, but I'm thinking one of the Beavers or Davis because I have in my head, I'm thinking a Karake. And that's he's of course the middle linebacker, and the other linebacker would middle linebacker would be Davis or Beavers, right? Sure. And I think those are the top three linebackers. So hear me out. If a Karake goes down. I think Beavers steps up if he's not the starter. I think Davis, if he's not the starter, steps up over McFadden. I just wonder. You know what I'm saying? No, no, I get it. My concern about Davis is how much is he on the field for third down? Right. I guess that's my question. Like, Beavers, I could see staying on the field for third down. I mean, he proved that in college. Yep. I mean, he had some good plays last year in passing situations as well. Exactly, yeah. And McFadden, it was just interesting when Wink brought him up. And once again, no one asked him specifically. You know how sometimes you ask a coach who stood out? "Eh, That's early. I don't want to get into it. Because they did. They asked Mike Kafka something similar. And he gave the, well, time will tell. But Wink passionately threw out Michael McFadden's name. Okay. So, And that was around the ballpark of the question about the green dot. It just got me thinking. And once again, I could be completely reading too much into this. No, I don't, I don't think so. this is the time so. of the year I, when we do look, that. Look, I don't think so. At the end of the day, the guys that play are the guys that the, the people, the coaches trust, right? That, Absolutely. That, and then yeah. <laughs> you add another trust level factor into that when you talk about the green dot. You know, because at the end of the day, you got to really trust that that guy is getting out that call to the other 10 guys in the field. Well, he's your conduit. He's if it. If he can't do that, he's it. You know, that's so, trouble. Yeah. Uh, that has a level of, of trust and, and accountability when you wear that green dot. And if he's mentioning him in, in the likes of that conversation, then that means he trusts that guy. And that means Michael McFadden's role, Michael, Michael McFadden's role this year is probably going to be increased. And to add an extra layer to this conversation, continuity was a big theme in the conversation, but we talked about that this offseason, meaning Kafka... Marnadale are back. It's the same scheme. They can communicate faster. And remember, you and I did a show several weeks back. You were talking about the different levels of language yep. when all of a sudden you return for year two. But there was another great line that Wink had to say, and I'm curious if this relates to teammates you've been around. So he was asked about the run defense improving with the addition of some of the big boys up front on the defensive line, specifically Sean Robinson and Nacho. So he says... Guys like Aaron Donald and Warren Sapp, and I'm paraphrasing, so I apologize to Wink if I'm butchering his quote, but I'm giving you the gist of it. He goes, guys like that were touched by God twice. Yeah, I hear that. Okay? <laughs> A'shaun Robinson and Nacho, no disrespect to them, they were touched by God once. <laughs> Which I thought was a fantastic line. And it wasn't him taking a shot. He was just saying, listen, as long as those guys come in, they stick to their assignments. They help collapse the pocket with decks, right? It's not so much sacks. It's Jonathan getting the quarterback off his spot, which is something you can relate to. 
Mission accomplished. That's what he wants out of those two guys in particular. But they're not coming in thinking H.R. Robinson and Nacho are going to give you, you know, 10 sacks combined, which, let's face it, would be unheard of. It'd be career years for the two of them. But it's the idea of if you collapse the pocket, now maybe Aziz and Kayvon can eat. And if you can break through a hole, you get a hit on the initial stage of the defense because you go back to the run defense last season, Jonathan, and this is something that I think you could shed some insight in having played middle of the defense. You don't want the guys to go untouched to the second level of the defense, oh, no, right? That's terrible. You want to get the hit early. There were a lot of times, and you and I watched a lot of games together, there was no hit coming once the running back got through the first hole. That's where you hope guys like Nacho and Ashawn Robinson come into play. Yeah, and when you talk about Wink's defense, he's a, a, a very aggressive defense, right? He's sending a lot of guys. You he don't has say, yes. Pass blitzes <laughs> and he have run blitzes. Similar yep. Spagnola when you had Landon Collins. Landon Collins, he wasn't really a linebacker, but he was because we sent him a lot on blitzes on run situations. So he was always basically added into the front. The great thing about that is instead of having a seven-man front, you have an eight-man front, and that basically keeps everybody on single blocks. It kind of keeps the double teams away from the better players. Makes sense. Damon Snacks Harrison. Damon Snacks Harrison had 90 tackles at D-tackle, right? He was a guy that – he was a monster. Oh, yeah. But if you, get, if, if you left him alone – and he made my job so much easier. You had to learn how to play with a guy like that. And and I put him in the likes of J.J. Watt because they're unconventional guys. Those guys, they get reached on purpose. They they swim run plays, which is like, that's like, you don't do that. You can't, you getting out of your gap. But guys like that create havoc. They mess up everything. They, 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 they just trash the Disruptor, whole front. That's exactly what they are. That's Dexter Lawrence, right? So if you have other guys that are just doing their job, they're just holding down their gaps, that means Dexter Lawrence could be a lot more free in what he does because he's go. probably one of those guys that's been touched by God twice. You know what I'm saying? I was going to ask you. Okay, so we're classifying Dex is, is the a, two hands by God. Let me tell you something. What I, about Snacks? I, was Snacks a two hand? I think so. Okay. You know, and, and look, I play with Snacks. I had knee issues. Knee Snacks had one knee. His knee was so bad. And you would never know that because the guy was getting after it every week. He yep. was a guy, I think, he was 350 pounds, bro. Over 350. With room for additional snacks. Yeah, yes. right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but the way he caused havoc is very similar to Dexter Lawrence. I don't think Dexter Lawrence is going to get those numbers in terms of 90 tackles, 80-something tackles. Yeah. But the disruptive force that he is, that checks that box. You know what I mean? And when you have other guys that can just do their job, not get beat, not get pushed out of their gap. Just hold their gaps down. That makes the whole defense that much better. Now you're adding in an extra safety. That creates chances for these guys to win their one-on-one -on -one blocks. Because if somebody, if they decide to go ahead, we got a double Dexter Lawrence on every play. When the Giants add an extra guy into the box, they're probably going to have a free runner, right, to, to hit the ball carrier. Yep. So now they're going to scheme away from the free runner. So now you have to win your one-on-one -on -one blocks. And if these guys can do that, they will have phenomenal years. Not because of all of them and their work, but because of the scheme and then also Dexter Lawrence's presence in the middle. Because you have to you have to account for him. Like Aaron Donald, when you play the Rams, if you don't know where he is, I'm telling you right now he's going to destroy the play. I feel the same way about Dexter Lawrence. If you don't know where he is and you're running something in the middle, it's not happening. 
you got to put two bodies on him, if not three bodies on that An guy. An unpleasant surprise it will become yes. if you don't know where he is. Yes, and yeah. he, he is a, a disruptor. He is kind of taking the team, and I watched him win games for the Giants last year. So add those guys in, Nachos and Ashawn. Ashawn? Ashawn Robinson. Yeah. Ashawn, add those guys in, very capable guys that have great experience in the NFL. They're going to have, I think, their better years this year because of the defense that Wink runs and the role that they're going to be playing. They're not going to be asked to take on double teams. They're going to have a lot of single blocks the whole entire game, and they're going to they're going to win those. I think so. I think that the way to I think the Giants right now. I think they were giving up five and a half yards per carry last year on the ground. Hey, that ballpark. Yeah. I think they can drop that by a whole yard. I think oh, that, that would can be, be under yeah. five yards because of not only just the guys that they have, but the scheme that Wink runs. I think they're going to do a lot better job on those run plays on first and second down, and I think all around the defense is going to be a lot better because of the depth now along the defensive line and then also Dexter Lawrence's presence. He's going to demand a double team. Maybe he didn't do it early in the year last year, but this year, in the beginning of the year, he's one of the guys that you're circling on that first meeting of the week when you go play a team, they're gonna he's gonna be the first guy to say, Dexter Lawrence, we have to know where he is at every single play. And that's what happens when you're coming off a seven and a half sack season. And to your point, you were talking about so many games where he helped win them the contest. I mean think about him getting a push and then putting his hand up and deflecting the ball and breaking up a pass. I think at the end of the Green Bay game, remember where they had that goal line defensive yep. stand against Aaron Rodgers, Dexter was very much involved in that. So the point is well taken. Coincidentally, it's funny we were bringing up Aaron Donald. Hey, Sean Robinson was a teammate of his with yep. the Rams. So Robinson was doing the same thing to open up opportunities for Donald, vice versa. And that is, I think, exactly what Wink was talking about. The expectations of bringing in those guys to do the dirty work. And this is why, and you know, this is something you've seen also from playing with a lot of guys. The box score doesn't tell the whole story right. for a lot of players, especially defensive linemen, the interior, interior guys of all. Right. For sure. Good luck. I mean, but even if even, even on the on the rushers on the outside, because you remember halfway through the year, Kayvon Thibodeau didn't have no sacks. But well, he, he was, was like leading the things. league in pressures sure, almost. No, that's fair. Yeah. You know, he was definitely impacting the passing game. He had a lot of TFLs, yep. but the sack numbers weren't there. So you're like, what's happening to him? He's young. He was hurt. You know what I mean? He's a step slower than he probably was a year before. Yeah. You know, so that like you said, the box score is not always an indicator on the guy having success. You know, and I think that's why you can't just base, you know, a guy's success every year off of numbers alone. You know, you got to watch the film. No, and I'm completely with you. I think Kayvon's a good example. I just, to me, a little bit lower on the disrespect poll is the interior defensive lineman. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The edge guys, I would say, Jonathan, you could get maybe a quarterback hit here or there. So you acknowledge, okay, they've been active. I mean, sometimes those interior defensive linemen, you look at the box score, three tackles, nothing else. Yeah, but what about what they opened up? for their teammates. Right, right. Because the offensive line had to account for a guy like Snacks, for example, because Snacks was not a big sack guy. Nope. He was a big tackle guy, but not a big tackle guy, but he didn't get sacks. But, I mean, like you said, you turn on that film and you watch my tackles for losses, where are they coming? They're coming off of Snacks' butt. Because Snacks got so much penetration, and I'm like blitzing on run plays because I know Snacks is going to hold it down. You know, and... And JT Thomas, right? We played, he was also a weak side linebacker slash middle Former linebacker. Former Jaguar too, I believe. Yeah. Right, when I was in New York, JT, I remember, yelled at Snacks one practice. Or, matter of fact, we was watching film and he was upset. Well, now we're getting Snacks, to the juicy stuff. Here we that go. That Snacks yeah. was like in the gap we were supposed to be in. He was like, man, Snacks can't do that. And he was actually out the year before because he was hurt. I remember that. And yep. I looked at JT, I was like, 
I said, bro, let him do what he does. You know, you weren't on the field last you, year. You did, like, Relax. right, 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 yeah. exactly. Bro, you didn't play yeah. with this guy last year. Sure. At the end of the day, as a linebacker, you're correcting these guys' mistakes. And not only that, you're playing off of them. That's more importantly. Not only are you correcting their mistakes, but you're just playing off of them. So if you're supposed to be having the front side A-gap and Snacks takes your front side A-gap, you better believe if you hit that thing and hit his A-gap, the ball's going to be right there. It's going to be right there. So you just have to learn how to play with these, like you said, disruptors that are in front of you. And once, because I don't think a Akarake is going to come in and him and Dexter Lawrence are going to play very well together right away because he has to learn He's get a feel for it. that Dexter Lawrence is one of those guys that's been touched by God twice. He's going <laughs> to do things that probably nobody else has done that he's seen do, yep. you know, and you're going to be like, like I remember watching J.J. Watt, right? And he was a Wisconsin guy, but he was, let me tell you the story about J.J. J.J. was a tight end when I was in Wisconsin. He was a tight end. I remember, end. yeah, sure. He was that's a scout team yeah. tight end. Then when I left, he ended up going to D-tackle, uh, the end, and then when he got to the league. He was inspired by you playing he the started, defense. Yeah, okay. yes. He started doing things that were so like, what are you doing? Why would you do that? And I'm talking about on run plays, you have to hold down your gap. He would swim and backdoor run plays, but he would hit it four yards in the backfield for a tackle for loss. Jeez. But that lineman is up on the linebacker. So that takes a linebacker completely out the play. But when you have guys that can do stuff like that and win, you got to let them do it. You can't coach that because that's not coached like that. You you got to you coach a guy out of that. You say, bro, you can't do stuff like that. You're going to put our team in a bind. Sure. But when you have special guys, a J.J. Watt, a Snacks Harrison, a Dexter Lawrence, as Bobby O'Carrick comes in, Beavers and Michael McFadden, all the guys, David Davis, you got to learn how to play with a guy like that. Because he's going to do stuff that you probably never seen a D-tackle do before. Good and maybe bad. You know yep. what I'm saying? I'm talking about bad in terms of, okay, that's not fundamentally sound against a run play but or a pass play. But it gets the job done. But he's going to get the penetration. If you learn how to play off him, your numbers are going to increase as well. Interestingly, you got me thinking, Bobby Okereke has played with DeForest Buckner. So maybe it's not as bad of a transition, to your point, Jonathan. I'm not saying they're identical, he and Dexter Lawrence, but you know Buckner's a very unique interior defensive lineman that I'm sure does things, to your point, completely out of character, yep. where Bobby had to adjust over the years. Yeah, and if he if he understands that, like going in like, all right, these guys, like at the end of the day, and especially Giants culture, Giants history, the, the D-line runs the Giants. Like, I'm talking about the entire team. If The, the Giants' success has always been predicated on their defensive line. That's why in 2016, when we went to the playoffs, look who we had on the defensive line. We had Snacks, we had Jonathan Hankins, we had JBP, Olivier. Yep. Like, we had guys on the defensive line. The Giants now, they have guys on the defensive line. They have an all-pro tackle. They have two young studs. They have a veteran leader in Leo. They have suitable guys inside that's rotating. The Giants right now, I'm telling you, their success is going to be predicated on the defensive line. And the guys that play right behind them, the linebackers, just get on board, bro. Get on board, and you will have some success as a linebacker if you understand how to play with those guys in front of you. So before we move on, I'm dying to know. So what was the conclusion? What did Snacks tell JT Thomas after he called him they, out and questioned trust him? Trust me, I shut that down before. Oh, you did? Oh, JT so you knew it was going to blow up. I said, bro, okay. let him do his thing. <laughs> because at the end of the day, he may not be conventional. He may not be somebody you're used to. But if he's causing havoc in front of you, just play off the havoc, bro. Just clean it up, you know? Yeah. And 
Like, and I, that's something you adjusted to. I had to adjust yes, to it because to. I'm sure. sitting there trying to play to my gap. My gap's not, it's no longer existing. And yep. Snacks done washed the whole gap down. So now I know if it's a front side play and Snacks going to take my front side gap, I'm just going to be a little bit more patient and not so fast to play because you need to, sometimes you need to get to that gap because you're out of alignment because of coverage responsibilities. You just play a little bit more patient, but that's that's with snacks. You know, it might be different with Dexter Lawrence. Yep. Then you you just start adjusting your game to tighten up those holes on, on those run fits. Because if you got a guy that's just out there taking on double teams and he's moving your gap two to three feet, then just be a little bit more slow or faster, whatever the case may be. But you got to play off the guys in front of you. And I think that's why Xavier McKinney's so good because he does a good job in playing in front in, behind the six or seven guys that's in front of him on every, every given play. Few reminders before we open up the phone lines here at 201-939-4513. Make sure you check out the Giants Huddle podcast. You can get that on your favorite podcast platform, or you can head to Giants.com slash podcast. Also, as we look ahead to the 2023 NFL schedule, it's officially out, and single-game tickets are on sale now. Don't miss the Giants at MetLife Stadium this season. You can visit Giants.com slash tickets to secure your seat. And on the subject of tickets, you can upgrade. You can take your fandom to the next level with a season ticket membership. Stay connected to the club all year round, not just on game days. Memberships are now available for the 2023 season. To learn more about all the exclusive member benefits, visit Giants.com slash tickets. Limited inventory is available. And the last thing on our docket, the Giants official connected TV streaming app. It's called Giants TV. It brings original video content, game highlights on demand and direct to big blue fans. Giants TV, it's free. It's on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV as well as the Giants mobile app. So we'll open up the phone lines. We'll get into some other takeaways from the coordinator media sessions earlier today. 201-939-4513. Lance Meadow, Jonathan Casillas with you here. Thursday's edition of BBKL. Ricky is on Long Island joining us here. What's happening, Ricky? What do you got for us? Hey, good afternoon, guys. JC, thanks for everything, man. It was a pleasure watching you here and other places. Thank you, sir. Um had a couple of small things, two comments, really, and then uh, about what you guys were just talking about with the green dot. So first, I just wanted to say I love uh, I love Joe Shane. I feel like this guy is meant to be a GM. Every time he's asked about pushing money down the road, he says, I'd rather take my medicine now. Look at Galladay. He hasn't done anything with Leonard Williams. I'm sure he has things in place if he's got to make some space, but he's not really looking to kick the can ever. Um, and the case in point should be the Kenny Galladay thing. I remember when he when he cut him. You know, they were asking him about post-June 1st. And he's like, yeah, no, if I could get rid of it now, I'd rather get rid of it now. Um, and that's just how it seems like he's trying to, to, to do what he's doing. Like, even the Waller trade, you already know we're not paying his whole contract for every year, you know. So that that's another reason that that's kind of – you have a possibility of a top three tight end and you're not paying him like that yourself. So I just think he's making all the right moves, man. I hope that uh, – you know, I hope that the, the hype is real and, and I'm excited for this year. Um, based on everything that him and Dable and the rest of the coaching staff are doing. I'm, I'm a fan, man, let me tell you. Well, and I think um, part of the financial motivation there too, Ricky, is the fact that, remember, he walked into a situation was not necessarily a healthy cap situation. So I think like anybody else, you don't want to then repeat what you had to clean up. So that, I'm sure, is part of what is influencing him not wanting to kick the can continuously because then you're just going to put yourself in the same exact situation that you inherited. Yeah, exactly. And, and another thing on that type of comment, like, 
at the end of the day, I also know this. I know that when you have cap space left over, some of your cap space rolls over to a certain amount. Yep. So it's always actually better. All these people like with void years and kicking the can and kicking the can. Well, when you, every year you have three million, five million, that ain't helping you. If you have like twenty million, twenty-five million going into the year, let's say you spend ten of it. You got 15 left over. You get a percentage of that. It helps you next year. Well, you You're don't get a percentage. I mean, you carry it all over. <clears throat> yeah, whatever is left over, Ricky, oh, you okay. carry over. There is no percentage. If you have 15 is million left and they have to factor in the bonuses, they got to do all those yeah. mathematical equations. After the year, once they budget accordingly and they make sure that the books add up, then it rolls over to the following year. But there's a cap on that, right? Like you can't. If I had seventy million in space somehow this year, I can't carry seventy to next year, can I? No, you can't. I mean, there have been teams that have carried over sometimes forty, fifty million dollars in cap space, depending on oh, okay. how so they break down their books. I, thought. I yeah. thought it was. I thought there was a cap, and it no. wasn't the whole thing. That's even better. So that's what I mean. If you're healthy in cap space, you can. You, it help, It's more beneficial to you to always have space this year for your moves and whatever. But then some, because you you could just keep adding to next year every year, right? Not. Oh, obviously, over the course of time, you're never, you're never going to always have 20, 25, 30 million. That'll never happen. But well, because the goal is to pay your own players. I think, you know, right. the teams the teams that wind up, if you notice trends that carry over cap space, more often than not, it's because they're not content with the guys on the roster. They don't want to pay them, so they have all this space to move on, and they're hoping that the draft picks pan out. That's more often than not the trend for the teams that do have a lot of cap space. For example, Jacksonville prior to last year had a lot of cap space. Well, what was the issue in Jacksonville? They needed to completely retool the roster because a number of their players didn't work out, and they wound up changing the coaching staff as a result. Right, and there you go. Like I said, that's that. I agree with everything you just said. That's that's. You look at the successful teams. That's usually part of their equation. Um, another thing you yep. guys talked about, um, and I just wanted to mention this. This is just more of a comment than anything, but you know, a lot of people were down on Leonard Williams after last year, and, I mean, Dexter Lawrence is all pro. I mean, I love this guy. But I just want everybody to keep in mind, number one is the guy had, what, 22, 24 pressures he's credited for? He was double. I saw a list that he was double the next guy on the list. Um, you could argue that. I don't know. I remember where it came from. Was it was a PFF or – I don't know. It might have been one of these like chat, GPT, whatever things going around nowadays. It might even have been NFL.com. But somebody ranked it. It was like the next two guys were Miami in a row. It was one, two, three. The next two were Miami with like eight or nine apiece. And he's at over 20. And, and that kind of leads me, even if let's say that, he, you know, the, the whole total list wasn't accurate. If he had, what, eight and a half sacks plus 22 pressures, keep in mind, he's got, he would have more sacks if he wasn't always between the guards. How often do you see him line up not directly in front of the quarterback? Quarterback knows he's about to get leveled and gets rid of the ball. He throws it at somebody's feet. He throws it out of bounds where somebody's kind of nearby so he doesn't get a penalty. He starts running away so he's out of the tackle box, throws it away. That's why he gets so many pressures, I think, it's, it's, and as opposed to the super, like a Chris Jones had, what, 17 or 16 last year, but he's not always inside the guards. Dexter Lawrence literally is a nose. He's like hitting the center every play. So that's one thing, and I'd say or coupled to that, is I'd say that's why maybe Leonard Williams' his numbers didn't look so good. Look at this guy. This guy's devastating you between your guards on every play. That, that's a 22 pressure. That doesn't leave eight and a half sacks. That doesn't leave a whole lot from Leonard Williams from the inside either. Um, that's, you know, at the end of the day, I feel like he might have took some of Leonard Williams' thunder there um, a little bit. And I'm not saying maybe Leonard Williams didn't have a slight down year, but I don't think that it's as bad as some people are making it out to be out there. I think it's more so that Dexter Lawrence had a, an impressive year 
and that kind of took away a little of Leonard Williams' numbers. Well, Leonard um, was also hurt, too, and, and appreciate right. the phone right. call, Ricky. Uh, thanks <clears> for giving <throat> us a ring. I'm sure you know you can obviously weigh in on that last point, Jonathan. I, I think, though, the injury is probably the biggest influence as to why the numbers did dip last and, year. And his age, too. He's not yeah. young. I don't think Leonard Williams is in his prime right now. You know, I think Dexter Lawrence, we're seeing prime Dexter Lawrence, you know. And if you look at how the offensive lines are structured – the interior of the offensive line is the most, I think, rigid. It's the strongest part of the defensive line. So it's very hard. That's why you don't see double-digit sack numbers from interior defensive linemen because you have the center and the two guards there that help each other all the time. You know, and if if you know if a guard's helping on one side, you know, to a, a great pass rusher, which the Giants really didn't have a standout pass rusher consistently the whole entire year, so they were definitely focused where in the interior. So now they're not only focused on interior and Dexter Lawrence, but they're focused on interior on Leonard Williams as well. So you got to think about defensive scheme, his age, and then also the injury. So it's a lot of factors I think that limit his numbers. You know, and then this year I think he's going to have less plays because of the addition of Nacho and Aishon, but I think his productivity is going to go up. I think his percentage of making plays per play that he's in is going to go up because he's going to be a little bit more fresh. You know, he's going to be antsy to get out there and actually make a play, and I think a lot of the focus is going to be shifted to Dexter Lawrence. So I think uh, you look at Leonard Williams' numbers, I think his playtime might go down, but his numbers might go up because of uh, the, the defensive scheme that they, that they run, also the extra support that they have in the interior of the defensive line. And I think the, 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 the versatility of Leonard Williams of not only him being inside the guards, but also moving out the tackle to rush the passer. It's interesting you brought that up. I'm bringing up his numbers. By the way, eighth season that he just finished, so he's entering year nine, to your point, in terms of age, wear and tear. He's played, and I'll eliminate the 2019 season, which was the year that he split time with the Giants and the Jets, when he's been with one team over the course of a full season, he's played at least 74% of the snaps. So the reason why I want to throw those numbers out, do you see the number you're saying dipping below 75? Yeah, I think so. Okay, wow, interesting. Okay, <clears> so <throat> you're telling me that, I mean, we could see like a 68% I, I think of so. the snap, Leonard you, Williams? <clears throat> you want to keep your guys fresh, you know, and, and that starts with the older guys. That starts with the older guys in the room yeah. keeping them fresh and limiting their plays, you know, and I think I had a lot of value for the Giants because I was on a pitch count. You know, people didn't know that, like, contractually-wise, I was supposed to hit over a certain mark to hit all my incentives. Yes. And I was always on the fringe of that because I had a pitch count. Because when I was with Spagnola in New Orleans in 2012, I was hurt almost the whole year. And throughout my career, I kind of had injury problems, you know. I was very productive in only playing 70% of the snaps for the New York Giants. But I was second on the team in tackles twice. Landon being number one those two years – and Landon played 100% of the snaps. And I was the only guy who, I wouldn't say the only guy, but I played 70% of the snaps and I was second on the team of tackles. That kept my productivity high because I was fresh. I wasn't hurt. I wasn't banged up. Yeah. And I would come in hungry to make plays. You know what I mean? And like I used to curse bags out. I told you to take me on third downs. I used to curse them out. You know, but that kept me going. You know, so I expect. Uh, Leo being in a similar type of situation being I got here on year seven, eight, nine, yeah, seven. Leo's in year eight, right? Going into year nine. Going, going into year nine. Going right. to year nine. So, yep. right, exactly. So he's in the same predicament yep. I was in when similar I got situation. to New York. Older yep. guy, probably best football behind, but he can have a great year. 
because of they taking care of his snaps. He doesn't need to play 80% of the snaps. There's no reason for him to do that. Now you have capable guys to back him up, keeping him fresh for the plays that he's in. So instead of giving 80%, you know, uh, 60 plays out of the game, he's giving 100% for 40 plays out of the game. You know what I mean? That's that's no, kind of the, the thought process yeah. I think that they will have for him. And I think that's why they're going to be able to pay him that much money because he's going to be a valuable commodity to the New York Giants defense. And I think if they keep him fresh, his numbers are going to go up from last year. Well, and that's the goal when you bring in also additional defensive linemen. You can rotate guys. I mean, yep. look at what the Philadelphia Eagles do, yep. Jonathan, right? We talk about the backups can start elsewhere. That's the luxury where you don't have to play anybody 80-some-odd I'm, I'm interested to see all of those guys' uh, percentage of plays in, for the Eagles. And I'm, I'm pretty sure none of those guys played over 80% of the snaps. I'll bring it up. No, I think it's line. a good exercise. You know, like Hassan Riddick probably played the most because he had the most sacks. But he might have even been more limited than that. You keep a guy fresh and bring him in once every three plays, and he understands that that's his role. He's going to come in like his hair's on fire. He's going to be thinking about these left tackles and his right tackles, his moves. He's not worried about playing a run. Like, there has his advantages to having basically specialists that come in for certain situations. And if Giants can get to that where they have eight guys rotating on the defensive line that understands their role and fully embrace their role, that's when you have a fully disruptive defensive line all over. Well, I think your takeaway was on point. I mean, I'm bringing up the numbers here. I'm just going to go through the names. Yep. Josh Sweat. 53% of the snaps. Brandon Graham, 43% of the snaps. Wow, and they both had double-digit sacks. I'm going to throw out Indomitian Sue because he came late in the season. Derek Barnett was hurt all year, so I'm going to remove him. Fletcher Cox, 64%. Javon Hargrave, who just joined the Niners, 64% of the snaps. Milton Williams, rotational defense alignment, 36% of the snaps. Jordan Davis was a little bit hurt. But he wound up only playing 20% of the snaps. Linvo Joseph was a late arrival. We'll remove him. Reddick, to answer your question, played 74% of the snaps. So he played the most. I told you. It seems like you know a thing or two a about football. Bit. Just a tad. <laughs> yeah, just a tad. Yeah. No, but your point is well taken. And that's why, you know, when we talk about it as if it sounds like it's just generic cliched lines. No, there's validity behind it. The more guys you bring in, then you can make sure you're not wearing these guys down. So that in the fourth quarter, they, Jonathan, they're, they're huffing and puffing. Yeah, they're fresh. And that's why why the, the Eagles defensive line was so scary all year because they had a lot of guys that were coming in the game giving quality reps. They weren't yep. just bodies that were coming in and they're like, all right, we're going to give this guy a rest. No, it's your time. Go make a play. You know, and that's – I feel like the Giants are situation them – setting themselves up to be in that situation. Bringing in guys, bringing in pass rushers, keeping Xavier Zimenez uh, um, in, keeping him in as one of those edge rushers. The Giants, third pass right, the third pass. The Giants now, they're building that defensive line unit that you can rotate through and keep guys fresh. And hopefully, the uh, the two defensive tackles that played an alarmingly a lot of plays last year, you can cut those numbers down. I don't want to see Dexter Lawrence playing 90% of the snaps. I don't think he needs to do that. I think you can take that number down to 80. I think Leo, whatever his numbers was last year, take that down 10%. You know, and then now you got in a couple guys that give you quality reps when they're in, and they'll take off pressure so Leo can have a better year, and, and he can be more fresh in the fourth quarter or sometimes the fifth quarter. Well, it's funny. I was bringing up the 2016 team when you were going over and complaining about your snap count but saying that your tackles were in a respectable manner. That season, <laughs> Olivier Vernon played 93% of the snaps. Yeah, I and I remember talking about it, and even Spags had referred to it. 
There wasn't an overwhelming amount of depth at pass rush. It was JPP and Vernon. Yep. God forbid those guys got hurt. Yep. I mean, let's face it. You didn't have a lot of meat and potatoes right. behind it. So that's why Spags, I felt, was forced. He couldn't take those guys off the field. Yep. But when you don't have to put yourself in that position, it's night and day. And, and you wound up, just I, for the I record. I don't know, real quick, before yeah. you, you, you talk about me. Sure. <laughs> which I love. I mean, that should be the biggest priority. <laughs> I can't believe you're interrupting me. I'm giving you your... Flowers OV, here. Yeah. I feel like his numbers weren't as good as they probably could have been because he was playing so many snaps. Well, and that's what I was getting o at. Olivier, yeah. he was good against the run, but he's not a big guy. He was just strong. He was maybe 250. He was really strong. Yep. But, bro, if you're playing first and second down and you're going against Trent Williams and he's blocking you on run plays, oh, how are I'm... you going to yeah. be fresh for the third down passing It's going to take a toll. You know what I mean? So – I, like I said, cutting numbers down usually gets production up because you got guys that are more fresh coming in. You got a whole new batch of you got a whole new batch of guys coming in on third down. The offense looks like, oh my gosh, like these guys coming in, running in, yelling. You know, like that. It, it's a little demoralizing as well. 100%, sure. You know, so yeah. you got guys that's playing thirty percent of the snaps on the Eagles and they get double digit sacks. Like, bro, this guy's fresh. I see him every three plays, and he's coming in, like, hitting me with all kinds of moves I've never seen before. like, what the heck's going the on here? <laughs> I'm getting tired. We're on the 10th play of the drive. This guy's playing. Like, all of a sudden, he yeah, just man. arrived in the game. Well, and you look at also, I think hockey is a good analogy here because you got me thinking about the constant line changes, right? In hockey, there's a reason why they can't leave those lines in for, you know, more than about a minute and a half to two minutes. Is that the rotation? Oh, yeah. If you look at the hockey line changes and how quickly, you'll have a good shift for maybe about a minute 45, two minutes, yeah. and they're getting those guys off the ice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the way they, sub over. they substitute, too. Yeah. I remember the first time I was at a hockey game, it was in, uh, I think, uh, Arizona, whatever the team is out there. Phoenix Coyotes. Oh, yeah, I was to? out there. Yes. And I watched them substitute, and there's this guy skating off the ice and coming back in. I was like, hold on, what's going yeah. on right now? What's going on? What, did, what was that? It's like, oh, they're substitute. That's, just, that's how they substitute? No Mind timeout? Change. Oh, no, no, no. No, well, no between plays? No. I guess that is between plays, well, but not really, though, because well, that puck if, is moving. I was going to say, if you don't clear the puck out, <laughs> you're going to be on the wrong end of that. I think it's interesting. Yes. Hold on, we were talking about me. Can you go back to me again? Sure, 100%. Thank I'm you. so glad you got us back on topic, <laughs> because I was going off on a whole tangent, me and my hockey and other sports analogies. So... I was looking this up. You and Keenan Robinson were both in the same territory during that 2016 season. You both had 71% of the snaps. And you were on the high side that season. Everybody else, I'm looking through the entire defense here. Harrison, Snacks played 60%. Hankins, 67%. I mentioned Vernon was the outlier. JPP, 71%. And then the other guys are pretty much in the secondary, which to me doesn't relate. But when you combine the front seven, you wound up playing Vernon was ahead of you. You were a slight percentage point ahead of JPP. So kudos to you. We'll yeah. pat you on the back. You wound up playing. Yeah, in the front seven, you played the second most snaps percentage-wise. That makes right sense. Right behind Vernon. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, you know, in 2016 was my best statistical year of my career. Basically, but I, but then I was also, I understood who I was. You know, I understood how to play with that defensive line in front of me. You know, and I, a lot more seasoning. And I would talk to, who did I talk to recently? It was a linebacker. Uh, was it Levante David? I think it was Levante about playing with JPP. 
yeah. right? Former Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Yeah. So, sure. J- you know, JP left here, went down to Tampa. Yep. And me and Levante, I was in Tampa years ago before Tom Brady and all that. You know, our, you, you know, laid the foundation. Years. There would be no Super Bowl <laughs> unless they didn't bring you into there the organization you go, first. That's how we circle uh, that. Levante, yes. a good friend of mine, and I, I told him, I warned him about JPP. I say, first of all, JPP is a monster. He's a beast. I said, but sometimes I don't know if he can hear correctly. (laughs) (laughs) So you might have to go reiterate messages to him, you know, and then also sometimes if you get the message to him, he might not do it, you know, and I love JBP, but um, uh, Robert Ayers, uh, he was here too. Robert Ayers, we called him rogue because he would just go rogue and do his own thing. It's like, oh, you got a you know two way move, but you got to win outside. He will end up inside somehow, some way, you know. But as you play linebacker, you start learning how to play with these guys because these like Robert Ayers, he's a guy who can get double sacks. JBP, I mean, of course, his history here in New York, yep. he's a guy who had three sacks one game, an interception, and a touchdown. Like, he's a guy that can totally disrupt the game. As a linebacker, you start learning how to play with those guys, and you make them a lot better, and they make you a lot better once you learn how to play with them. Sure. And these guys, Kayvon Thibodeau, Ojolari, uh, O'Shane Zimenez, all the interior defensive linemen, I'm sure they all have their little quirks about them that are all different, right? You may have uh, uh, Nacho. He might, when you say have the B-gap, you know he's going to be in that B-gap, you know? Or... Uh, uh, Dexter Lawrence, if he has a double team, bro, he's going to win to the right side probably most of the time. You know their tendencies. You know what I mean? So you start learning this stuff. You can't learn it during OTAs. You can't really learn it during training. Because you don't have the pads on, too. You're going to learn it, not even in practice. You're going to learn it in the game situations. You know, so that first year for us at the New York Giants, 2015, we were just learning how to play with each other. And then they bring in snacks that first half of that 2016 season. I had to learn, okay, Okay, Snacks is going to do this stuff. Robert Ayers is going to go rogue. JPP, you might have to repeat it, and if you repeat it, you might still not do the right thing. <laughs> like, you start learning how mm-hmm. to play with these guys, and then that, as the season progresses, as long as the continuity stays there, you you will start learning how to play with these guys. And I think as the year progresses, yes, the, they're light years above, uh, excuse me, ahead of they were last year because this is the second year for most of the guys in his defense besides the new guys. That continuity factor. And now you're going in, so it's going to be a year I think they're going to start a little bit faster, and I think b- b- before the middle of the year you're going to see this defense really get together and maybe those rush numbers maybe start out a little bit higher, but then they drop as the year go on as they start figuring out how to play with each other. 201-939-4513 is the telephone number. Let's head back to the lines. Raymond is in Middletown, joining us here on BBK. What's happening, Raymond? How are we doing, guys? We're doing all right. I, uh, What's on your mind? I just, I'm curious because uh, the last two episodes you guys uh, talked about um, over-unders, and I think a key point that was brought up a lot was, like, depending on injury. It's Ezo Jolari, Darren Waller, Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley. They've all had, like, key injuries that have, like, hurt production as far as the Giants go. And I'm curious, uh, is that something you guys worry about, or do you guys think the Giants have built enough depth with, like, Matt Breda and Eric Gray, Daniel Bellinger, or anybody behind Aziz Ojolari? I would even say Paris Campbell, uh, too, as a big signing that we made. Do you think the Giants have enough wide receiver depth to, uh, I don't know, I guess keep up production if key players like that uh, drop from injury. 
Well, I, I think that's the quest for every team, and we'll answer that question and let you go on that note and appreciate the phone call. I'll, I'll let you hop in first, uh, Jonathan, because I know no, you, you want to say you, something. I yeah. hear what you about to say. You know, that is – when we talked about offseason, I think, goals for the Giants, the number one thing was sign Daniel Jones. My number two thing was get depth all over. It wasn't sign, re-signing Saquon. It wasn't finding that number one receiver. My number two thing after signing Daniel Jones – was providing depth for the entire team. You got to bring in more players. You got to bring in guys. You got to bring in more DBs, more running backs, more tight ends. You got to bring in guys to make the whole roster better. Because the fact of the matter is, you're gonna get somebody's gonna get hurt. If not, a whole bunch of people are gonna get hurt. Knock on wood. It's the nature of the beast. Knock though. on wood. Yeah. But you got to be prepared. Yeah. Now, Giants are pretty much situated at every position to have suitable backups even if one or two guys go down and you look at Daniel Jones I think one of the most solid backups in the NFL is Tyrod Taylor if Daniel Jones go go down Tyrod Taylor comes in I don't think you miss a beat arguably you might get better Tyrod Taylor is a phenomenal quarterback in the NFL and then you look at the roster the whole roster now has depth now I think maybe the only questionable spot is that linebacker because of lack of experience you know, and, and defensive back too. too, and yeah, defensive yeah, back. Cornerbacks, well. you got me. You got yeah. me. A defensive back as well. Yeah. But that adds value to your overall team, and and also now you got quality players that are possibly starters playing on special teams, which makes your special teams better. So look, you have a point. There, are, there are guys that look. If Saquon gets hurt, don't think the run game is not going to struggle. You know, it may not, but it, most likely it will. This is a this is a phenomenal talent. Sure, Darren Waller gets hurt. I was just going to say that. You know, he's yeah, a there's guy. There's some guys that are very difficult yeah, to replace. Yeah, he, he's a guy that we don't have. Yeah. There's no one else like him in the NFL, let alone on this team. You know, so you definitely expect something to change or happen or a drop-off statistically for that position if some guy goes down, for sure. Andrew Thomas, if he goes down, the Giants are probably going to be in trouble. Let's be real about this. Let's be real about this. Sure. If he goes down, the Giants are going to be in trouble. Right, we don't have another left tackle like him because there's not another left tackle like him in the league. And you can't afford to keep a guy like that on the roster. <laughs> you know anyway. what I'm saying? So yeah. there's definitely crucial positions that uh, it's not really. Hard. There's no position in the league more, I think, valuable offensively than that left tackle position. So besides the quarterback, of course. If you lose that guy, I'm sorry. There's not backups in the league that play left tackle that are just ready to go. It'd probably be another right tackle that moves over and then the right tackle steps up. But, like, that's a crucial position. So there are definitely positions, to his point, that if somebody goes down, the Giants will be in trouble. And left tackle probably is number one, I think. I think that's number one. Yeah, well, and I think, Darren Waller, your point is well taken. And it's also, I'll take it a step further, Jonathan, there are a number of players on a roster that are irreplaceable, which is what we're talking about. But also, I think it depends on how you utilize that player within the schemes. For example, if Travis Kelsey went down for the Chiefs, could Andy Reid and Matt Nagy, their new OC, could they tweak things? Sure. I mean, they, I'm sure they have the track record. Just like I have confidence, Brian Dable and Mike Kafka, I mean, look at how they developed talent last year. Yep. They'll make changes, but you're now going to have a very different feel and look for your system. Meaning you're not throwing out a guy like Darren Waller who demands double teams, who has that size, who has that wingspan that is going to make defenses think. No disrespect to Daniel Bellinger. I like him, and he certainly is bulked up. And Bellinger, I think, was a really solid player last year. But defense is not treating Daniel Bellinger the way that they're treating Darren Waller. And that was your point about Saquon, too. So there are a few guys, to get back to the caller's question, be very hard to replace them. I think overall, though, you feel good about a number of positions because what happens, for example, at wide receiver last year, right? The Giants, they lost 
volume at that position. And then you got to the point where you had to go to the practice squad to hope that you could bring guys in. You bring in Paris Campbell. You draft Jalen Hyatt. Wondell Robinson is back. We'll see what happens with Jamison Crowder. Colin Johnson. I think overall the group is stronger so that in the event you lose one or two guys, you don't necessarily maybe have to go to the practice squad. You have guys currently who make the 53-man roster that you feel good about. I think the same thing about the defensive front, which we were talking about earlier. Sean Robinson and Nacho, you you didn't have that type of depth up front with respect to guys that could stop the run. That's why Dexter played so many snaps last year. That's why Leo played so many snaps last year, which I don't think was advantageous for them. Now, for example, let's say you didn't bring in Sean Robinson and Nacho, or maybe you had one of the two. We're talking about now... DJ Davidson, who didn't even get through his entire right. rookie year. It's fair to say there's question marks, right, about DJ Davidson. We don't know what he brings to the table. Or Jordan Riley, who you just drafted in the seventh round. He didn't play one NFL snap. The conversation, Jonathan's a lot different. Different for sure. Okay. So I think that's what you should take away that the group overall has more substance, but it still depends on the quality of the player yep. that is going down. Yeah, it's all said. And then like like not only just the quality, but where it happens. Like like I said. Thinking about who, who could we not afford to lose, my me, immediate thought was Andrew Thomas. Like I was, as I was kind of answering this question you. and going through it, yep. and I'm kind of going through positions. Like, yeah, if Saquon gets hurt, yeah, I mean, if he doesn't play, if he doesn't sign, it, you know, I think the Giants will be okay. They'll figure it out. You know what I mean? That well, we'll see what Eric Gray but, provides. But I like mean. that left tackle position, it, it's I don't think I don't think you any team. You go through the whole team, it's the, hard. the whole yeah. NFL uh, league. You take that that star left tackle away, the team is going to be completely different. Because now, look, the most talented guys, look, the most talented athletes I think in the world are rushing the passer. And These every are, team has multiple. Every guys. team, like Nick, you Bosa, can't hide an like, offensive bro, lineman. Like, yep. The guy from Cleveland, I watched him doing three sixty dunks between his. Bro, <laughs> what are we talking about, Garrett? Oh my Miles god, Garrett, I was gonna be like, bro, yeah. these guys are tr- JPP. We were hanging out for my birthday last year in Tampa. He was dancing. He was going all the way down to the ground with his butt to the ground with his knee, like his knees. And I'm just looking like, oh my knees. JPP is six. <laughs> what was he doing six. the limbo? <laughs> He's six six, and he yeah. can bend like that. Bro, these guys are the freakiest athletes in the world, and they have motors, and they can go. You better have a guy out there that can block them guys, especially on the blind side of a quarterback. So you lose a guy like Andrew Thomas, the whole offense might might go to, you know, whatever. Well, no, I, well, we can imagine the vocabulary that you were going to throw in there. This is the PG-13 version of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Rated R will be posted a little bit later on on YouTube. Make sure you check that out. We had to beep it out. I got, some, I got yeah. some stuff yesterday that was like uh, – it was like, I don't know if you could be announcing because you curse too much. I said, I don't curse on the air. I don't do none of that stuff. <laughs> but you see, when I was about to do it, what happened? Well, that's why you were <laughs> hitting your self-edit <laughs> button. So, you know, listen, you have very good discipline for a broadcaster. I try. That should be I a try. positive trait. I'm from you Jersey, man. I'm a, I'm a sailor. Well, <laughs> as long as you take the Jersey out of the equation right, when we're on right. here for Big Blue Kickoff Live, we will have no issue with respect to that. Jonathan, always a blast. Enjoy the conversation. Always, brother. All right, that is going to wrap up things for us here on Thursday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. A reminder, it's part of the Giants platforms everywhere, as well as Giants.com slash podcast. We'll be up and running again on Friday, 12.30 p.m. Eastern, for the latest edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. For Jonathan Casillas, I'm Lance Meadows. Stay locked to Giants.com for all the latest, and we'll speak to you Friday right here on BBKL. Have a good one.